uh, hooray, we beat West Ham 1-0 in the FA Cup. Yay. Oh, my God. There's two hours of our lives we'll never get back. And for some reason, rather than the general consensus, which is let's never speak of this game again, uh, we decided we'd do a podcast about it. That and previewing a game against West Bromwich Albion, the most boring fixture you could possibly preview. It's sexy. It's good. This is commitment, Paul. This is... uh... Look, uh, you know what? It, it was a boring game. It was a boring game, and um, and it was almost entirely down to West Ham's tactics. You know, we, we bigged up David Moyes on the last show. Well, you did because you got like warm and fuzzy feelings for him. For some, that's a bit strong. Bit strong. We, weird reason. Okay, you got a raging hard on for him. Wow. Leave. No, I didn't like that one. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mental picture there. Um, so you, you don't completely hate David Moyes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, all right, for some reason. And uh, and they're fifth in the table, and we were talking about how well they'd be doing this season, but they, they came with zero. In, I mean, they played a, a back four and three defensive midfielders in front of them. <laughs> so, um, you know, the goal here was to not lose in a knockout tie which was totally weird. They had three shots, uh, two of which were from open play, in the entire shots. It it was just pathetic from West Ham. At the same time, United made a lot of changes, weren't particularly fluent, although 17 attempts from United, that doesn't always tell you everything, doesn't it? But, you know, so we had a a United side, not super fluent, and a West Ham side that had zero ambition, none, none, absolutely nothing, not even... Towards the end of the game, nothing at all. And they got exactly what they deserved as a result. Yeah, David Moyes at the end um, saying he thought the team deserved penalties, which uh, I think is code for he feels they needed more time. Yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always what he needs, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, th- their lack of ambition really did spoil the game. United completely unable to break through, I mean, in normal time... Sosha made some fairly early substitutions. Of course, the one exception to his refusal to make early substitutions being if Donny van der Beek is already on the pitch, you are allowed to remove him early. He struggled, I thought. Um, uh, I don't think it's any sort of metric of his quality that he struggled. I think it's it's clearly um, the team has to play in a very different way uh, with him in it for him to be effective than it does with Bruno in it because they're so used to like get the ball to Bruno and hope he does something that having someone who's used to automatisms and structures and kind of like um, just structured passages of play looks kind of like a fish out of water when he plays at number 10 in this side. Well, he does, yes. I mean, because Bruno is all progressive passing, looking for the the killer pass straight away and, and Donny van der Beek is, is looking to... to to link up play and, and interchange play and have movement around him. And it's just very different. I mean, look, I, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that that van der Beek would probably look better at a number eight role rather than a number 10. And for, for whatever reason, just in this United side, because he'd be getting the ball more often yeah? and he'd get more involved. And, and Solskjaer doesn't really want to try him there at all. So at the moment, he's the reserve for United's most important player, which means he's barely going to get a, a look in. And it'll be the same next season as well. And the season after that, you know, if he survives at the club. So something's got to change. That said, 
He's also just a little bit passive or feels it compared to, maybe it feels it compared to, to Bruno. I mean, he's just not the same kind of player at all. So. I mean, like, Ronaldinho feels passive compared to Bruno. Bruno's the most active mind, like he's the most aggressively uh, progressive footballer I've ever seen in my life. Like he, he just, he knows nothing except progression uh, for better and worse, as we've discussed on numerous occasions. And Van der Beek just isn't like that, is he? Um, I'm trying to work out other notable performances, really. Martial came in for an absolute ton of stick after this game. And I I actually thought he was one of our better players. He he, he seemed to link play really well. There was one in the the box late on where he had a really poor shot of the kind he's been having recently. But for the most part, I thought he was quite effective. I I actually thought he was fine. He he was fine against a very stubborn back line that was was intent on trying to... Kill, kill off all the passes into him. You know, most of United's shots were from from distance, not great quality shots. And and you know, against a a side that was trying to smother him, he did okay. I I, I you know, look, I know um, social media is is the most reductive form of any media, and and um, football fans are pretty reductive anyway. And him missing a shot near the end will be the thing everyone remembers. But I thought the criticism, if there is any, is is a bit over the top. You know, he's not going to win the game all on his own. He did all right. Um, as did Rashford. I mean, he got an assist for the goal um, that uh, <laughs> Scott McTominay stole off uh, Bruno. Uh, you know, he did fine too. Elsewhere, like much of a muchness, United defended okay. Didn't have to do much. (laughs) Yeah, Genus gave Maguire man of the match, but really, like, I mean, I don't know what that could possibly have been about. I actually thought Dean Henderson did well. Um, Again, not not particularly uh, troubled, but just, you know. I mean, the differences between, between him and De Gea are very, they're very... They're in stark relief, aren't they? He's such a different character. And we have kind of been crying out for uh, for him to... Uh, we've, been kind, we've been kind of crying out for uh, somebody to be a bit more commanding in the area. And Henderson is nothing if not that, is he? Yeah, he took a couple of crosses very easily. I mean, probably one to... De Gea claim would claim too, um, but he yes mm. he he's a very active goalkeeper. You know he tries to organise his defence. He he's not shy about having to go at them when they don't do what he likes. Uh, he comes for a lot of cross. And we we talked about this before. I mean, oh, you know, if we didn't talk about it on the pod, we were sharing data on the WhatsApp group some time ago. You know he claimed something like twice as many crosses um, as as De Gea. You know he's just a very different style of goalkeeper. And that, apart from it was a really nice finish from Scott McTominay, and that's now seven goals in all competitions uh, for the season for our box-to-box Three games in a row that he scored as well. Yeah, um, and crucial goals too. Uh, So, you know, good on him, and uh, long may it continue. I think Scott McTominay is good, is my, as I said last last show, it's my current favourite agenda. Um, And that's me done with the things I've got to say about this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess we could drone on about each of the individual players. I mean, there's no one really massively stood out, or of the, of the players who came in, anyone stake a claim for a permanent place in the side. 
I mean, probably not. No. So, um, Oli Oli made a few substitutions. We're critical of him. Uh, mind you, two of the five were fullbacks. He loves a fullback substitution, doesn't he? Um, I, you know, it's funny thing is you uh, you said on our, our WhatsApp group, ah, it's because the fullbacks do loads of running. So I was like, hmm, I don't know, know if I believe this. So I looked it all up. Um, uh, and, and like. Um, Sure does a bit of running. He does. He does. And he's quite uh, bursty as well. So um, his his data for different types of running uh, is pretty interesting as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, do, I just think that it's it's to do with the particular demands of that position, I think, that he's looking to he's looking to get some rotation in those legs because he sees them as such crucial components and, and they do, you know, the midfielders get, are getting a bit more rotation than they are, aren't they? Um, and there's probably more cover in a way, not necessarily high quality cover. I mean Matic and Fred, right, started this game, if I remember correctly. Um not McFred, but Matt Fred. Uh it's it's a really bad combination. I mean, I don't know. I, I think we're lots of qu- we'll do some questions today. Uh, lots of questions about Fred. I don't really know where I stand on him. Uh except that he's pretty small so he might accidentally stand on him. But you know, he 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 doesn't seem like good to me. And then sometimes he'll have a really good game or a little good run of form, but but basically, I just don't think he's very good. Is that is that about accurate? Yeah, he's 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 kind of mediocre, isn't he? I mean, for fifty three million pounds, he should be better, I think. Uh, Matic is interesting because I'd just been looking at some data in a lead up to this game. Matic, by the way, was just very Matic. Um, he he just hasn't got a lot in him anymore. Um, but his um, his progressive passing. Uh, and um, progressive passing and number of touches per game is still really high, uh, you know. So depending on the type of game, it feels like he's well involved, doesn't it? It just he doesn't do any of the things we probably want from him, really. So uh, he's got another year after this one, I think. Uh, when matters out of contract in the summer, and surely they won't activate the third year of that. Surely, I mean, uh, surely not. Surely the fact not. that he didn't. The fact that he didn't play any part of this game, I mean, I just completely keep forgetting he exists, keep forgetting he's an option because he's so barely an option. I guess he'll play a lot in the Europa League. Um, I liked Cavani's little skip for the celebration and it was funny that the stuff went around social media of Bruno swearing at Scott McTominay for taking the goal off him. Um, But I thought it was, you know, it was really nice movement for McTominay. Uh, Starts right, starts that move right in his own box and, you know, Breaks into the box just at the right time to score a goal. Shall we, um, shall we take some listeners' questions after that? Or have you got anything else you want to say about that game? No, I'd just be making something up to say. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, at Vikash Patel, 94, friend of the show, says, um, I, I think it's worth mentioning just because we uh, we haven't mentioned it. With Pogba unavailable for the foreseeable future... Uh, do you think Ole should stick or twist with McFred? I just wanted to mention thing about Pogba's injury that looks fairly serious. A thigh injury could be could be a long while. Um, but the the reason I, I kind of wanted to address this question is essentially I d- it, it doesn't matter what we think. Like um, it, to paraphrase the Rock, it, it simply doesn't matter what anyone thinks. He's going to persist with McFred. He's gonna he's going to twist with McFred. He's not going to stop playing the two of them together, is he? No, and, and, and I mean, like, when Scott McTominay is scoring like this, it kind of 
justifies the decision when it's not one of these big games where he wants to play a double pivot. I think the problem is that McTominay's passing, as we've said over and over again, just just isn't all that, and Fred's is even worse. So you lose something huge uh, in terms of creativity from the the centre of the park. You know, that's that's a massive trade-off with having them in, and and we're going to be playing West Brom, Real Sociedad twice, Newcastle. I, I think all of them come before we play Chelsea, which is the next game you might think, well, maybe we want a double pivot in that game. So. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you, you kind of at least unleash the beast with McTominay, right? You uh, you play him and say you don't have to be one of a double pivot. You can be them eight in a four-two-three-one. Uh, but maybe the passing's a problem there. But a lot of a lot of the job of the midfielders at United is just to pass the ball to the forward players, anyway, isn't it? I mean, I mean, you know, pass the ball for them to start the real creativity to speed up the passing. You know, but that's sure, a bit of sure, an issue. Sure, but that, yeah, I think that's an issue. I think you want as much progressive passing as possible from your number. So, otherwise, yeah. it's it's obvious it's it's going to be going into Rashford or Greenwood's feet. Or they're going to try and find Fernandez, you know, and that's that's the choke points for for the defence. It is, and and often, you know, Rashford and Martial want the ball two feet a long way out to start running towards defenders, and you know, it's a it, it does sometimes bring success, but it's uh, it also can be really a uh, can play into the hands of a team that wants to play eight behind the ball, basically, right. Um, in the way that in the way that West Ham did, Red Devil 9 saying, oh, "Why did Mason have to destroy Noble like that? And when will he give his soul back to him?" I think he got his soul back when he waved at Ian Wright. Um, the BBC coverage: Ian Wright was so bored he was just waving at the players, and Mark Noble was the first one to wave back at him. So, thus earning his soul back after Mason Greenwood took it off him with a beautiful, beautiful piece of Greenwood business. A Berber turn, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think Mason missed a trick, and he didn't call Megs. Which was disappointing, frankly. I mean, it's it's he's young, he's inexperienced. Next time, you know, only one chance, Mason. Next time, unforgivable. Um, Attaché underscore J saying, "Who would you rather fight? One McTominay-sized sauce tin or a hundred sauce tin-sized McTominays?" I think that it would be difficult to beat a McTominay-sized sauce tin, but you're less likely to lose. Because its its range is going to be seriously limited because it's a sauce tin. I mean, it, it can't fight back. It's an inanimate object. Maybe I'm not understanding this question. How would you, how would you win though? Because that'd be heavy. You reckon you could shift it? You reckon you could like push it out of the sumo ring effectively? Yeah, a six foot two round tin full of sauce. It's just a tin. It's just a yeah, yeah. Aluminium, okay. it's light, no problem. Yeah, sauce isn't light though. Sauce is heavy if you've got enough of it. <laughs> like anything else, uh, this game was not very good. So this is what we're talking about now. Um, Erk Tennis, ERK Tennis says, um, "Sure, this season the best season by United fullback since when? Ever ten years ago? I actually think it's ever twelve thirteen." Because um, he had a real renaissance in that that final season of of Fergie's, but genuinely, I don't think a fullback's had a better season at United. Unless I've forgotten one, a fullback hasn't had a better season at United than Shaw's season this season since Fergie for sure. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one, but I I, I think that's right. I mean, of course, Shaw inexplicably won Player of the Year a few seasons back. 
when he was really not that good. So, but he's having a, he's having a cracking season, and he deserves all the plaudits. I, d- I don't know what the turnaround has been. Um, it's it's a little bit tactical because he seems to be given loads of freedom to go forward at the moment, or or he just didn't want to before. Now he is. Uh, but I suspect a lot of it's kind of fitness and conditioning, the fact that he's not had a serious injury this season, um, but all that running he now does is all good. When he's not ball-watching and letting players drift past him to score, of course, which he has done a few times. Yeah. Uh, Cheeky Ball Boys says, um, uh, what are you most excited about or looking forward to for the rest of this season? I'll pass that one to you, Ed. Well, I'd like to see United not drop off like last season. You know, I'd be excited about United, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's some games we're going to lose and it's going to be desperately frustrating and we're going to be saying, what if? Uh, because it's just the state that the, the team is in right now. But it would be nice that United aren't dropping off like the end of last season when even though they were winning games, the performance levels really flatlined, didn't they? Um, so yeah, I'd I'd be excited to see that because that would tell me that there's there's something about this team and they they um, they might not be as good as a top team, Zuh, um, but they're pretty good, you know. And and if it's less than ten points to the the um, eventual title winners, I think it's a good platform for next season. So there, yeah, I'm excited about that. And plus the Europa League, I love it, love the Europa League, <laughs> real real um, football. Sedentary Gary says, I was dreading penalties in the West Ham game the other night, but then realised we actually have five or six good penalty takers in our first team. Does the current United team take home the trophy for best collection of penalty takers in the league? So we've got Bruno, who might be the best penalty taker in the league. Um, You've got Tellez, who hasn't taken a penalty for United yet, but took him for Porto and scored hundreds of them. Um, Was it Porto that he was at? Yeah, Yeah. it was, right? Very, very sweet left foot, yeah. Um, you got Rashford, who yep. you know, has got a vaguely mixed record, but clearly has you know scored in a penalty shootout in a World Cup finals for England and scored an absolutely crucial Champions League winner with a penalty sh- that he had to wait about fifteen minutes to be allowed to take. So it's got mega bottle. I mean, Martial is not a bad penalty taker, as he's got an okay record. Yeah. Um, who else? Who else takes penalties in in United side? I don't know, but I don't think I'd like to see Fred take one. Edinson Cavani? Does he take did he take penalties he, for anyone that Yeah, he did until Neymar turned up at PSG and then took the <laughs> ball off him, as you might remember. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so there's you know, there's a lot of penalty takers. And who else has got a, a team with a lot of good penalty takers in it? Well, City definitely haven't, because they're on the verge of giving penalty duty to their goalkeeper, because yeah. everyone keeps missing them, all the outfield players. All those all those Chelsea lads must be able to take penalties. Oh, let's be a racist, Paul. Come on. Jeez, jeez! Well, just because they're, because they're. I meant Mason Mount. Oh yeah, totes. <laughs> um, after unsustainable numbers last season, we've regressed to the mean with regards to XG. Says underscore ballpoint Ben. With this in mind, how funny is it seeing Jose Mourinho fail every week? <laughs> Um, sign up to our Patreon to hear live every week how funny we find it that um, that Jose Mourinho is failing every week. My favourite question. Um, of the week comes from Harsh underscore Mull. Um, how does Ed feel about government macroeconomists suddenly embracing MMT and being okay with printing money to prop up bond markets? And can the money printer go brewer meme be used in the Jaden Sancho announcement video? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, this is a complex question that deserves a long answer. I'd just say that um, we've had 10 years of QE, so it's not a newfound thing that governments print money. And by the way, it's perfectly okay. Um, I think we had, uh, since the uh, early 80s, decades of supply-side uh, economics that said you uh, you couldn't print money because it would just lead to inflation. It was you know, proven to be total bollocks. So, um, you know, hey, thumbs up, printing money, love it. Wait, so quantitative easing doesn't lead to inflation? Like, printing new money doesn't... Because, I mean, listen, I've got the... All I know about is the Weimar Republic. Like, that's the only bit of information I've got and pictures of money in wheelbarrows. This wasn't caused by quantitative easing? Uh, no, <laughs> not on its own. Um, quantitative easing, they didn't call it that then, you know, funnily enough. Um, but printing new money um, uh, led to something of a death spiral. But no, but I mean, in the, in the current environment, when there's been this massive demand shock and you've taken, you know, 20% out of the economy, there, there is no such thing as inflation. It doesn't exist. I'll fight anyone who says it does. <laughs> wow, I like it. <laughs> just, so you've gone from MMT to MMA very quickly there. Um, if you want to know how proud I am of myself for that, the answer is extremely. Because uh, it just popped into my head and I came out of it straight away just like Very that. good. By the way, uh, back to the, the previous one about Jose Mourinho. 29 shots Spurs had in losing. <laughs> Did you see the Yanaga Fyotov tweet? Yeah. It's like, oh, rubbish when he parks the bus, rubbish when he concedes five, can't please fans. I think he was joking, but I'm not sure he was joking, if you know what I mean. I think he was, but maybe he was, and I missed it. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. The The... The shot that's been doing the rounds today of Carlo Ancelotti just like coolly blowing on his hot chocolate and having a sip after Everton go five up. At this point, I think that hot chocolate must have gone from boiling hot to absolutely freezing because anyone that cool could definitely cool down in a hot chocolate pretty quickly. How do you do that when your team's just gone five? I guess he was assuming they would concede again, right? Yeah, I know. I mean, you really do get some polar opposites of managers. Those are running down the touchline and knee sliding and fist pumping and uh, a few of them just just don't give a f- I mean, Oli can be a bit like that, you know. He's, he's a passionate manager and he really cares about his club. But, you know, there's quite a few times when United score and he's just like, looks like he can't be asked. Just, just Yeah, I think he's... Like United just ruined his acker or something. He's, he, no, it's that he's trying to keep a lid on it, I think. I think he's deliberately trying not to be seen as a sort of, like, rager on the touchline to try and try and be measured. Um, uh, Nishant JV says, What do you reckon will happen at the cricket, lads? Think Joseph and his band of boys can conquer, conquer our dust bowls? Well, we've got one, one dust bowl down, three to go. Well, one of them's the same dust bowl, but just a pitch over. I mean, an absolutely... Did you see James Anderson's uh, over? I did. <laughs> it's one of the greatest moments in sporting history, that over, I'm pretty sure. And his reward for that will be to be uh, dropped for the next game. <laughs> no, uh, Archer's out. So they're going to start, I mean, I'm sure they'll start Broad and Anderson unless they play Ollie Robinson yeah. in place of Archer, which I guess they might do. Um, I think it's going to be incredibly difficult. You, you know, when India got bowled out for 36 in Australia, they came back and won the series. So they are going to be wounded by uh, particularly their first innings batting performance and, and, and sort of 
how much England's batsmen got on top of their bowlers in the first inning. So I, I'd be surprised if we see anything other than a, a really... I think a draw for England in this next test would be an unbelievably good result. Yeah, well, we we talked about the cricket a fair bit on the back of this content. Um, you know, the thing that surprised me or, you know, the thing that should please England so much is just how well the spinners bowled, really, because it looked like the two weak links, didn't it? You know, a sort of mediocre-ish, probably a bit better than that, left armour and, and uh, pretty raw, leggy. Uh, and, but they both bowled really well, took wickets, had plenty of control. Not even a leggy, like if only he was a raw leggy. He's a, a raw offy. Raw offy, I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I think Jack Leach. I, Jack Leach is good, is my my cricket equivalent of my Scott McTominay is good opinion, but, you know, that's, I stand by it. I think you're um, on shakier ground. <laughs> oh, no, do you reckon? I think that Jack Leach might be better at the thing that he does than Scott McTominay is at the thing that he does, but... That's a whole nother question. Um, Osame saying, Rashford's behind only Lewandowski, Haaland, Bruno and Kane in terms of combined goals and assists in Europe. That's incredible, by the way. Um, but overall, his play's been shabby. So he produces game-changing moments in bad performances. I dare say this is a sign of his maturity. I think he's asking, do I dare say this is a sign of his maturity? I, I'm not sure it is. I actually think it might be a sign of his uh, almost not quite being there yet. Um, that he's got this, you know, these incredible numbers, really. Very, very, very productive season from Rashford, but clearly, clearly struggling. Yeah, actually, I think he's not having a good season and what he's shining through is his quality. So, I mean, there's there's rough edges to it, of course, but he he produces, you know, really key moments because of that talent. And, and if those rough edges can be polished a bit and he can have a better season form-wise, we're going to get some something really phenomenal from him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, Wheeler55 says, has ever has anything ever embodied the phrase, I told you so, as much as Jose Mourinho's tenure at Spurs? I know it's basically the same question, but it just I just think the wording is perfect. And I cannot think of anything more, I told you so, than Mourinho at Spurs right now. I mean, it's identical and i tell you what you know what else is identical that's the discourse around him oh yeah and the fact that none none of the pundits ever go for Mourinho. no i know i mean it's something to do with 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 their historical sense of enjoying him he's you know because he's good media fodder isn't it it it's it's amazing um i that jan arger fjordhoft tweet you talked about i got sucked into reading the bottom half of the internet on that one. And man, man, it is just like any thread about Jose Mourinho from his time at United. I mean, there were so many Spurs defenders on there. You know, Mourinho truthers. He's a cancer. He's a cancer on the game and he needs to be eradicated. Well, you know, all the Spurs fans that I know are all saying the same thing, basically, which is, yeah, it's funny how every single one of our players is rubbish now. Uh, you know, it's it, you know, it's exactly the same thing that happened at United. Exactly the same. Uh, Nablism in Happier News says, which United player, past or present, doesn't have a song that you think deserved or deserves one? I think the answer to that question is clearly Patrice Evra, who never had a song catch it on in his name and 
really and truly that is a we let it's ourselves down as a collective yeah, yeah. yeah exactly like this guy this guy needed everyone to just sing Patrice Everett is a red he hates Scousers every game like you should just have alternated verses should have added one after the Neville Neville verse um you'd have a Patrice Everett verse I think that would have been fair um and also which United player song was most unearned but we're not allowed to say Falcao because that song was too fun to sing I think the thing about unearned songs is they're inevitably incredibly fun to sing. So the singing of them is... is I mean, there's a couple. One is the fact that Sanchez's name was in the waterfall chant, uh, Always yeah. at the Wheel. Absolute disgrace. Um, and uh, Jose's playing the way Man United should after three good games. <laughs> that one uh, that one did not did not have good lasting power but i think the key winner in my lifetime in this category is the fact that after what a third of a good season anderson got a song which was then sung every single game for seven years almost all of which he was absolutely bobbins in or really more accurately was injured for yeah, well that's right and then coming back to be bobbins oh but he was you know he was a lovable chap though wasn't he anderson you can deny him it. No. Okay, fair enough. Um, Mr. Alex Collins says, do you put your ketchup in the fridge or the cupboard? Fridge. Yeah, me too. Um, and friend of the show, Tarek Amir, LaFalse number 12, saying, Carl Anker complained about someone passing wind in the press box and Custis was named as the most likely suspect. Not by Carl, I have to stress. This was the replies uh, rather than Carl's assertion. Don't want to get him in any trouble here. If indeed it was Custis, is he taking his vendetta against the Athletic too far as the use of chemical weapons has been outlawed by the Geneva Convention? Oh, man, Custis is bitter. It's, it's quite funny. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's very funny. Um, and I'm on his side. <laughs> not really talking of the athletic and how why I'm not actually on Neil Custis' side, although this tweet isn't helping their cause. Uh, Tifo's Joe Devine asks me why I would say it's so easy for him to identify me as an imposter. This is a horrible accusation based on the fact that we've played a ridiculous amount of Among Us during this lockdown um, and he reckons he knows when it's me. My riposte to him would be, he always thinks it's me, even when it's not. And uh, I got that information from him personally. So a wild and baseless accusation that will not stand. Um, Olaf uh, Toslemo says, ananas on pizzas, yay or nay? And the discourse around pineapple on pizza is the dirt worst, but I really enjoyed his use of the word ananas and the fact that if you look at the word pineapple in almost every European language, it's like some version of ananas except in English where it's pineapple. I know, it's a really nice quirk of language. Are you a pineapple on pizza guy? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> my, are, you, are, you, my very... are you an apple on pizza guy? Oh no! Have you have you had apple on pizza? How about banana? No, I, I, that was the. I, I'm just saying, fruit doesn't belong on a pizza. I I bet you somewhere there's like an apple pizza with like a really tart, sharp apple that works really well. Um, my, one of my favourite usernames on Twitter, which is FBPE, is just White People's Hotep, says, "How will England mess up the twenties and not win a, a World Cup or a Euros, given their attacking talent?" Will they put the golden generation to shame? 
Well, yeah, this 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 summer, um, everyone's going to be dead. So we're going to get a weird Euros, much like the year that Greece won it. So there, there, there could be anything could happen, I imagine. Perhaps even a, a team that has a bunch of players who've hardly played because they're like reserves at their clubs or whatever. Um, there's no way England win in Qatar. Um, you know, I don't care if it's in November. <laughs> it's going to be boiling. Um and um, and when are we we're then Euro twenty four? Who knows? You know where will be Euro twenty four? There'll be plenty of ways that England can mess it up, for sure. Yeah, and I think in the end the answer is probably going to be the same way they messed up last time by having a manager who um, is a little bit kind of constitutionally reluctant to get the best out of his attacking players. Um, I think that that might end up being what 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 causes the problems. Um. <laughs> the boy Payne says, why has United's defence turned from make you nervous but third best in the league to genuinely bewildering in one season? Is it more expansive football? I wonder whether it's um, like Dave's having an absolute mare of a season this time around. I don't think he is, though. No, he did last time, didn't he, actually? He made more mistakes last season, yeah, probably. I think he, I mean, I, I was trying to remember this because someone pushed back on Twitter. I mean, how many actual mistakes has he made this season? A couple? It's not many. So, um, I, you know, I think it may be less protection from central midfield. It may well be. It, it may well just be that people have found out what um, uh, Maguire and Lindelof's kryptonite is. Um, I, I think it is a little bit they're trying to push fullbacks forward, so it's leaving space, um, and um, we're not able to deal with that. Uh, yeah, possibly, uh, possibly, and I wonder also if there's just some reversion to the mean, like they just they they just would have expected to concede more goals last season than they did. Um, I can't remember what the what the data said. Um, <laughs> how many three for fifty five alarm calls in a row can a person person handle and still be able to function? Asks Stephen. Hen dr ninety one um, in reference, no doubt, to the time of day you have to get up to watch cricket. I'm really looking forward to the fact that the third test is day night in India, which means it's nine to five here. Wow, it's perfect for shirking off work, isn't it? Absolutely. Unfortunately, you're moving to a new and exciting time zone. God, how many? What? It, uh, so, so four a.m. is going to be eight at night. There you go. I can watch a few hours. <laughs> Yeah, ideal. Um, so, uh, talking of which, like Ed, you're about you're about to move to a whole nother country. Um, means we're not going to do a podcast this weekend. I feel like transatlantic moves are a, a reason why you're allowed you're allowed to take a week off podcasting. Um, but we might be back after whatever the I guess it's Sociedad. We're not going to be back after Sociedad. We'll be back next weekend. Um, we could, uh, but we could that, be back after Sociedad. I mean, you know, why, nope, why not? Nope, nope, absolutely not. I, I plain, I'm on strike from the Europa League. They're in football detention. There's no reason we also have to be in football detention. Oh, um, what if it's a cracking game? Uh, then we'll talk about it after the weekend's fixture. How's that sound? Uh, Thursday night is a terrible time to have football matches. It'll be Thursday lunchtime for me, so I, I shall be kicking back with beer in my hand. Um, so what time are you going to... What time are the sort of typical kickoff times here going to be where you are? Uh, well, I'm going to be on the West Coast, so I will be um, midday for the 8 o'clock midweek games or, or quarter to 12 for the Champions League games when we're back in. Uh, or Europa League. Well, Europa League is uh, 
555, isn't it, in Turin? <laughs> so, God knows. I can't even think. I can't even compute what. Why is this tournament happening? Why is it happening? I'll tell you why it's happening. Because UEFA are absolutely terrified of the Super League, which is surely just around the corner at this point. Yes. Um, and then um, Saturday games, three o'clock is, uh, I mean, count backwards. It's seven in the morning or something, I think. Not too impossible then. Uh, uh, the lunchtime Saturday games is, you know, fairly early. <laughs> I guess you could record them, right? You'll have you'll have all the channels with all the football on it. Uh, yes. Ah, oh, might as well get up. It's good to watch it live, isn't it? Yeah. No. Fair enough. Rather you than me. Um, all right. So let's do a West Brom preview. We are going to have to work hard to break down. Uh, West Brom's stubborn defence is what you might think. It's what you might think a person previewing this game would say. But hold on a second. Let me just put into Google. Now, I'm just going to type here uh, Premier League and table. And there's the table yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to tap more. Uh, where are West Brom? Oh, look, they're 19th. Well, that's probably quite bad, isn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah, they definitely don't have a lot of points, these guys. Just uh, just the 12 points also. 54 goals, 54 goals conceded in the league. 54 goals, more than anyone's got points, and, more than anyone's scored goals. And and just before, you know, uh, the Allardyce truthers get in our case, since he got that 1-1 draw, his first game in charge, West Brom have conceded 5, 4, 2, 2, 5, 2, 2 and 2. I mean, I guess I guess we're going to win 2-0 then, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it'll be embarrassing if we don't score at least two, won't it, with our forward line? The thing is, you know, it took us a long time to break down West Ham's deep-lying defence. And I do wonder if actually this is sort of ideal fodder for West Brom because they can, they can just sit and sit and sit and sit. Um, and and they're just going to there's just going to be no counter attacking opportunities. I, I wonder if a set piece goal isn't going to be our best chance of breaking the deadlock in this one. Uh, well, maybe, maybe. I mean, there, there will be opportunities, I'm sure, because West Brom are rubbish. Um, and there shouldn't be too much danger at the other end because you look and the top scorer uh, Mateus Pereira, midfielder, has got five goals. You know, pretty good. And I was looking down the list, I was going, where are the strikers? Where are the strikers? Oh, Charlie Austin has got naught goals. He's just joined them. Okay, not his fault. Sam Field has got naught goals. How Robson Carney, who scored that uh, great goal for Wales a few years back, he's got, uh, let me check, checking my notes here, naught goals. (laughs) (laughs) So what, I mean, this is, there's going to be people screaming at this preview, like, what are you lot doing? Uh, the thing is, it might be a massive jinx, but what are we supposed to say? Like, oh yeah, they're going to be tough to break down. They've conceded 54. Oh, they might be a threat on the counter. They've scored about four, well, five. Um, they're, just, they're just terrible. And Because, and you know, Sheffield United, all season long, I've been saying they are not as bad as all of this. Now, they didn't have to be that good against us. We sort of gave them that game. But we're really, really, really going to have to give West Brom the game. Like, we are going to have to try really, really hard not to win this game. So It would be a really special effort. 
I mean, the thing is, when they got that draw against Liverpool, we're like, oh, you know, maybe Sam's still got the touch. Maybe he's still got it. What we didn't realise is that Liverpool were in an existential death spiral of doom, you know. And if they continue this kind of form, Liverpool might be challenging West Brom for a place in the bottom three. So, um, yeah. Although worth saying, I guess, that, that there's been some, probably some mitigating circumstances behind the scenes about what's been going on at Liverpool in, in the last couple of weeks. And certainly what's been going on, Klopp's been getting a lot of uh, stick for his tone in press conferences. And it has been you know, pretty unedifying, but it turns out that his mum passed away and he's not able to go to the funeral. So you can understand why he's not in a particularly good place, certainly. Um, and... Uh, you know, in the continuing adventures of trying to treat these people like they're human rather than sort of puppets for the rest of our amusement. Yes, but I think that's a different thing than than Liverpool's um, form, isn't it? You know, so. Sure. Um, There's been a kind of cultural problem emerging in football recently, uh, even more than ever before. I I wonder if some of this is lockdown mania. Uh, Mike Dean getting death threats. Uh, We know the the amount of racial abuse that United's players have um, been on the receiving end of. Uh, It's it's sort of getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And, and, And I do think that... Maybe we should be a little bit more measured when, you know, making just 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 going that extra mile to make sure the abuse and the attacks. I even felt bad to call the last show was my idea, calling it Harry Maguire God Why, which well, made my friend. That's not an attack. That's an amusing. It wasn't. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was just being silly. Really, he's he's obviously a human with feelings, and yeah, that, sure, definitely, sure. Like, there's nothing wrong with opinions. I think that's completely different from a, a death threat or you know, racist abuse. The um, you know, and I don't know whether it's just that simply um, with some things, you know, a media narrative builds, right? You know, unfortunately, um, and, well, like, it's good to call it out. And hopefully in calling it out, pressure is put on the relevant social media platforms and other media outlets to to take action because they certainly can. Um, that said, you know, the amount of press coverage sometimes is because, you know, there's a herd mentality uh, because abuse and death threats have been going on forever. Um, and it's not to try and, you know, lessen the impact of it or or the seriousness of it. Um, mind you, I, I was amused today by a headline in The Telegraph, which said, Steve Bruce sent death threats from Sun's social media account. I was like, are you sure you didn't want to think about that headline? Because, <laughs> you know, I had a double take. I was like, oh, he's out if he's been sending death threats. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely like a comma missing or probably a word. Definitely a was. Uh, Yeah, so Steve Bruce was sent would have made a big difference. Um, uh, The the one thing I wanted to say about the referee situation is I do think the fact that there's 45 minutes of chapter and verse of chapter and verse on every refereeing decision and nowhere near that much pressure on managers or even players after games is is a real issue in the way football's being covered at the moment and and that definitely is reaching a peak. I mean we've talked about it for years that it almost feels like sometimes the pundits find it easier to go after the refs because that's not their mates, you sure. know, um, yes. or yeah. their mates' mates, you know. No, no, I think that's right. I mean, um, now, um, someone saying something dumb on Twitter is very different from a genuine death threat. And, and the, the, the the Premier Match Officials Game Board, whatever they're called, um, uh, 
gave a very interesting interview this week in which they said, um, you know, if this carries on like this, we could actually have our first fatality. And I, I think it's probably a long way from a, a fan actually going out and seeking to uh, and actually attack and assassinate a ref. Um, much as we may all be frustrated with referees sometimes, but um, you know, and I, I, uh, I really hope that um, you know, I that, that it never comes to that, and there isn't violence. I mean, we had a referee, um, was it Anders Fisk, retired after getting abuse a few years back. Uh, you know, I do agree the tone needs to be taken down. Um, that the coverage of the game focusing almost exclusively on on refereeing and VAR, you know, after United won 9-0 the other week, 15 minutes of chat about VAR before they... And basically the, it was, oh, and by the way, United won. You know, yeah. Um, it, it, the narrative of controversy does well in... in um, in in all media platforms, doesn't it? You know, and and that yeah. that it definitely amps the uh, the temperature up. Yeah. Okay. Talking of amping the temperature up, Man United five, West Brom nil. Is that is that what we're predicting? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, and we'll be back to discuss that, discuss Sociedad, discuss whoever we're playing next weekend. All after Ed's safely ensconced on the west coast. In the meantime, Ed. Very safe travels and sure. take uh, take good care and good luck with the move. Everyone else, uh, take good care of yourselves, and we'll see you soon. We certainly will. And and which of West Brom's forwards is going is going to score their first goal of the season to beat United? That's that's what I'd like to know. How Robson Carnu uh, embodying both Robson and Carnu as he did against Wales. All right, uh, for Wales, take care, everyone. Bye, Bye now. <laughs>